0: Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians and chapter number 10. We're going to try to finish something we started last week, amen? The idea was to finish last week, and today I was hoping that I could talk to you about how God is a miracle worker. But we didn't get done talking about how God is a way maker, And so today I want to finish talking about that. You know, I was tempted to just move on. I really was. I was tempted to, I I thought I gave you enough last week, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to move on to miracle worker, amen? And then I I began to pray, and God said, no, you didn't really deal with the context of the scripture last week. You kind of skipped it. You went straight to verse 10 through 13, and you never really talked about 1 through 10, and you need to do it. And so I'm going to do it on today, hallelujah. For those of you who know me or have been with me for a while, you know that I'm I'm big on destiny. I preach a lot on destiny. I preach a lot on purpose. I preach a lot on progression, amen. I preach a lot on spiritual growth. Some might even argue that I preach more on vision than I do against sin. And I would say that that is true. It's not that I don't preach against sin. It's that I believe that if I can ever get you to see your own future, a vision for your life will help you not to get distracted by the enemy's tactics. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says that without a vision, the people perish. And so I can't just sit here and talk to you about what you're not supposed to do without giving you a picture of what God wants to do in your life first, amen? And if you know that about me, hallelujah, you know that oftentimes that's where my focus is, but that does not mean that I don't preach the whole counsel of God. And so today, I came in here, hallelujah, with something heavy on my heart. And if you were roaring with me like lions on Sunday, you had to be here Sunday to know what I was talking about. I need you to roll with me today, amen, because I'm going to talk to you about some serious stuff, and I think, hallelujah, especially for those that have been with me for a while, I've earned the right to speak into your life, amen. So I need you to to be attentive, amen, and hear the word of the Lord on today, glory to God. Let's go, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse number one. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud. And all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses. In the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters. As were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. That's twenty-three thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Next verse. Now, all these things, listen to this. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples or examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Next verse. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. Lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. That's my favorite part right there. But God is faithful, who will never suffer you to be tempted. Above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. That ye may be able to bear it he is a way maker. I said he's a way maker. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, add blessing to your word and minister to your people. Let them have ears to hear what the Spirit saith to the church today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said amen and amen. Let me begin asking you a very simple question in this place. Hallelujah. How's your faith? How's your faith? As a matter of fact, look at somebody real quick. If they're next to you and just ask them the question, how's your faith? That, that's, that's important, hallelujah, not to easily uh, ignore or look over because your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested, hallelujah. Uh, you often hear me say that a faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So listen, <laughs> and, and, and so I'm never impressed by how good someone talks I always wait for trouble because trouble lets me know where your faith really is. As a matter of fact, when we're talking about faith, even as to uh, Ephesians 6, where the Bible talks about the armor of God, it doesn't talk about the armor of God when we get to faith as being an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon. It is a shield. Hallelujah. So in essence, what I'm saying is, how is your shield? How is your ability to endure the fiery darts of the enemy? Because he will often shoot some at you. Amen, somebody. Do you not know that in those days when they fought, they were literally fiery darts? They, the enemy would literally light the arrows on fire and shoot them at the enemy. In hopes to hit them or hit their homes. Because even if they didn't hit you, they hit your home, your home would catch fire. If your home would catch fire, that means you had to come out. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? So what the people would do, watch this, who who had shields, is they used to dip. They used to soak their shields in water so that when the, when the, the fiery darts came, watch this, the shield would quench it. This is why the text says that your faith would quench the fiery darts of the enemy. This is why I say, how's your faith? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So watch this. Hallelujah. You, you have to have a constant word that is wet. See, this is why, this is why we, we talk about the word as being daily bread. In other words, you need it fresh every day. Because how many of you know that you can put something out uh, to hang and dry overnight? You put something out to dry overnight, you might wake up in the morning and it might be dry. And so, what I'm saying is, you can't have dry faith when those arrows come your way. You have to have a shield that's constantly soaked in the water of the word. Are you in this place, church? So that you can constantly quench the fiery darts of the enemy. On one occasion, and you've heard me talk about this before, Jesus comes up to a man named Peter, one of his disciples, and he says, The enemy has asked to sift you as wheat. The enemy has asked for you. Isn't that something? And, and, and Jesus goes to Peter and says, listen, the enemy has asked for you. And, and Peter, probably thinking that Jesus was just going to rebuke the enemy and say, don't, don't worry, Peter. You know, I sent him real far. He's not going to trouble you. Peter looks at, Jesus looks at Peter and says, but I have prayed for your faith. I have prayed that your faith does not fail. There is a temptation that's coming, that's coming to test your faith. How is your faith? What I love about this text, and we dealt with this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on 10 through 13 today, hallelujah. But we dealt with this. We dealt with the fact, hallelujah, that along with the temptation, God always makes a way of escape. Remember when we talked about that? In other words, hallelujah, there isn't a problem that God doesn't provide a door to. There isn't a problem that God has not provided a solution to. There's not even any sense in you really praying, asking God if there is an answer. Let me help you in here. There is an answer. You just need to begin to pray about what, letting God show you where it is or what it is. Are you in this place? So watch this. When you begin to understand that there is an escape, then what that really means is that if you fell into it, you wanted to. Hallelujah. I, uh, I came in here today. Prepared for very little amens, if not any today. Hallelujah. That's why I'm so glad we shouted on Sunday. But I got to speak truth to you today. Is that all right? Hallelujah. God does not allow anything to be created without a door. I said God does not allow anything to be created without a door. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you've got people walking around talking about, can I just be real in this place? No, Pastor, you don't understand. I can't live without her. I can't live without her. Let me ask you a question. How is she living without you? Because here's, here, here's my thing. Here's my thing, hallelujah. If, if she's dying, then I can see you dying, hallelujah, uh, because she's dying. But if she's doing fine, living without you, I told you. I was. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Another thing that we lost last week, I'm doing a quick recap, is simply this. Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible says that there is, and we just read it again, there is no temptation that has not taken you that is not common to man. In other words, hallelujah, your situation is not unique like you think. You feel like you got to keep yours on the hush because nobody's going or struggling with what you're struggling with. And the reason you think it's unique uh, is what makes you think or feel like somebody just gave you a visa not to recover. A passport not to get better because you have this attitude that says, look what's happening to me. And what you don't understand is that what's happening to you is happening to the person two rows behind you and two seats to the left. There is no temptation that has taken you that is not Common unto man. In other words, watch this now. If I'm a drug addict, if I'm a drug addict, hallelujah, and watch this, everybody else is a drug addict, I'm comfortable with being a drug addict. But if, if I'm a drug addict and just one other one gets out, let me put it to you another way. If we are both in the same prison and one of you get out. And one of you make it out. Then your getting out tells me why am I still here? God help me in this place. You see, that's the power of a testimony. If somebody gets out, hallelujah, then what that means is that I really don't have to stay unless I want to. Are you blessed in here? So watch this. One of the things that God began to show me. And he said are crucial. And you better get ready, church, because whenever you're, ready, whenever you're getting ready to go to another level, whether it's, whether, whether it's personally or whether it is as a church, there's going to be a time of testing. There's going to be a time of testing. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. You just don't. Listen, even in school, you just don't go to another grade. <laughs> you got to pass a test. Amen. Hallelujah. And then you go. Uh, to the next level or to the next grade and so watch this God began to minister to me and he told me hallelujah tell the church that there is a level of temptation that's coming to keep us from going to the next level in God, hallelujah. And what I like about God is that uh, he didn't do what he did with Job. Job never even knew that, was going, that the attack was coming. But like, like Jesus did with Peter, Jesus told Peter, the enemy has asked. And I sense like God was saying that to me in my spirit, hallelujah, to get ready, to get ready. Amen, somebody. And so I want to prepare you to overcome. Is that all right? I want to prepare you to overcome. It is Bible class, isn't it? I want to prepare you to overcome. On today, hallelujah. When you look at this story, watch this the apostle Paul is talking to a church named Corinth. If you study the church of Corinth, you understand that the church of Corinth was going through some serious issues. If you just study the name Corinth, the name Corinth alone means corruption. There was some stuff going on in this church. Paul addresses this church, watch this, and he begins to use an Old Testament story. To talk to them about where they are. And he's telling them, watch this now. They struggled, watch this, with what you're struggling with right now. And they could not overcome it. And what they struggled with, that they could not overcome, hallelujah, you're struggling with, but you should be able to overcome. That happened to them as an example unto you, the text said, so that you could overcome. Are you in this place? And so watch this, God showed me through the text that there were five tests, five temptations that the people in the wilderness went through, hallelujah, and the apostle Paul is addressing Corinthians, saying, you are going through the same thing. And when I read it, hallelujah, I was just going to move on, but the Lord said, no, even in the 21st century, we are dealing with the same things. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. This is, one of, this is one of those messages where when you hear something, you just going to have to be honest with yourself. Amen, somebody. So when you look at the text, the first thing that it says, hallelujah, was that they lusted. They lusted, hallelujah. Now, let's talk about that for a quick second. Now, when we talk about the word lust, understand that the word lust in and of itself is not necessarily a negative word, even though oftentimes when it is used, it is used negatively. Uh, uh, when you lust after something, it means that you desire it uh, very much. Uh, the word lust is such a heavy word that usually it is defined as you wanting something so bad, you're willing to do just about anything to get it. And, and a lot of times what anything means is stuff that is not good. <laughs> like lie, cheat, betray, s- steal, hallelujah, come on somebody, even kill. Uh, people take it to the extremes. That's why the author of the text uh, decides to give us a little bit more information and tells us they lusted after evil things. Are you listening to me in this place? And if you ever wanted to study that out, hallelujah, it's really coming from uh, the story in the wilderness when God was feeding the people manna. You remember that? God was making bread fall from heaven and was pe- was feeding a people in the desert because there was no food. Amen. And so the manna came supernaturally. And it came, watch this, every day. Bread every day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the Bible says that the people got tired of God's daily provision. I said, watch this, they became tired Of God's daily, watch this now, let me add a word, supernatural provision. In other words, they became familiar with God's sustaining power. They became so familiar with God feeding them every day that they almost make the mistake to think that the food was coming from them. And if we're not careful, we make the mistake... (laughs) To think, hallelujah, that the reason we're being sustained is because of our own doing. And if we're not careful, we become familiar with God's provision over our lives. And then make the mistake, hallelujah, to complain about it. Watch this. They got tired of God's daily provision and started asking God for meat. You remember that? They say, we want meat. And what ended up happening, watch this now, is that they began to redevelop an appetite for the stuff they used to eat when they were in Egypt. Listen to what I'm saying, hallelujah. When, if you ever make the mistake to become familiar with God's sustaining power over your life, you could begin to redevelop... An appetite, hallelujah, for the things that God actually delivered you from. They begin to talk about the leeks and the onions, hallelujah, and the garlic that they used to have in Egypt. And it's almost like they forgot that when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. So in essence, hallelujah, that was prison food. And I, I began to read that and I said to myself, man, I'm, I, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather eat manna and be free. That eat good and end up locked up. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And so they begin to to make the mistake to lust after the very things that God delivered them from. Because the enemy is very cunning. And when you're in a dry place like the wilderness, the enemy will try to convince you that what you used to do is better than where you're at right now. He will convince you that it tasted better than, it lasted longer than, you don't hear what I'm saying in here. So that you can begin to lust after what you actually got delivered from. Lusting after things in your history will keep you from your destiny. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, because of this, Because they couldn't overcome this, they could not enter into all that God had for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And listen, I ain't even, I'm not even talking to you about heaven. I'm talking to you about the promised land. See, many people make the mistake to assume that the promised land is an analogy for heaven. The promised land is not an analogy for heaven because once they got into the promised land, they had to fight for territory. Once you get to heaven, the fighting is over. This, this is an analogy, watch this, for the blessed life on the earth. And so watch this. You know, if, you, you, if you're sitting in this place, hallelujah, and all you care about is just making it to heaven. If all you care about, because the Bible even talks about those that will make it to heaven by the skin of their teeth. But if you're in this place and you're saying, hey, man, that's good with me as long as I get there, I'm good. You, if that's you, that's not who I'm preaching you to today. I'm talking about, I'm talking to people who are destiny-driven. I'm talking to people who want everything God has for them here on the earth. I'm talking to people who are purpose-filled, hallelujah, and believe that God has called them for such a time as this to accomplish something great on the earth. And so watch this, hallelujah. You can can be heaven-bound and live miserably on the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I don't know about you, but I just made up my mind a long time ago that if God delivered me out of Egypt, there's no way I'm going to die in the wilderness. I didn't leave Egypt so that I can die in the wilderness. I left Egypt, hallelujah, so that I can make it all the way to the promised land. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? The second thing very quickly, hallelujah, that the text deals with is the word idolatry. You read it for yourself. I won't take you back to the scriptures for the sake of time, but read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and you're going to find all these there. Idolatry. And watch this. You might be thinking, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm good in that area. You know, I'm, I'm not worshiping any idols. I'm, I don't have no golden calves, hallelujah, in my room. Amen, hallelujah. Because this is coming from a time in the Bible where, watch this, Moses goes up on the mountain to be with God. The people get restless because they're lacking leadership. And so 40 days go by, and they decide, you know what? Let's make our own God. And so the Bible says that they took their own jewelry. And they threw their jewels in the fire. And they made this golden calf. And the Bible says that they begin to worship it. They begin to dance before it. They begin to run around it. Come on, somebody. And they begin to do all these things, hallelujah, in worship to A false idol. Now you are in here and you're probably thinking, well, I don't have any idols uh, in my life. Hallelujah. Can I just submit to you that not all idols are visible and plain in your sight? Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the things that God showed me through this text immediately was simply this. Notice this, because I always got to come right out the text. So watch this. Uh, The Bible says that they took their jewels, their substance, amen, and they threw it in the fire, and they made this idol. Are you hearing me? Oh, God, help me in here. So watch this. An idol is something that controls your money. I said an idol is something that controls your money. You know, you ever wonder why God oftentimes would challenge you in the area of money, hallelujah, when he would ask you for an offering? is because he wants to know where your allegiance is. Because the Bible says you cannot serve two masters because you're going to love one more than the other. And when he says two masters, notice that he didn't say God and Satan. He said God and mammon. He said God and money. Because he wants to know where your heart is. Amen, somebody. Because, hallelujah, when your heart is right, giving is not a problem. And oftentimes if God wants to test your heart, he'll test it in the area of giving. It's just like when you go to the doctors. You know how you go to the doctors, and the doctor starts prodding on you, and he'll say something like, does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? And all of a sudden, you get to a place and, oh. And when it hurts, he says, does it hurt there? And you say, yes. He says, you know what? We're going to have to do some further examination. Why? Because it's not supposed to hurt there. Oh, God have mercy. It's not supposed to. Hurt there. If you're with me so far in this place, shout glory. Glory. The Bible says, watch this, that they ate, they drank, right? And then they rose up early to play. So, an idol, watch this, is something that controls your schedule. I said, an idol is also something that controls your schedule, controls your time. Amen. You want to know if something is an idol? You want to know if God is having to compete with an idol in your life? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? Are you trying to squeeze God into your busy schedule? Or are you making your schedule around God? Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. It's getting quieter by the minute. Notice notice, notice that he says, watch this. Uh, when you read the story uh, in the Old Testament about when they danced around this golden calf, there were particular words that the Bible mentioned. I ain't got time to take you to them right now. But watch this. He said gold. He said silver, which is really talking about currency. Is talking about money. Amen. And then he said wood. Wood idols. Now, you know, that's the stuff we use to build our homes. You know, if you're not careful, you make houses idols. And then he said metals metals talks about vehicles are, are you hearing what I'm saying and let me just throw this out here God don't mind you having any of it he minds it having you God help me in here let me say that one more time God don't mind you having money he minds money having you people often misquote that scripture hallelujah that 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 what well, this is how they quote it money is the root of all evil and some of you might listen to that. that's how it goes. No, it's not. It says the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. In essence, what God is saying is I don't mind you having it as long as you don't bow down to it. As long as you understand, hallelujah, that those things that I provide for you are add-ons to your life. They're byproducts of you seeking first the kingdom of God. As long as you make me a priority, you'll never have to chase anything. If you make me a priority, I'll make things chase after you. Oh, I wish the church would catch that. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Don't bow down to them. And you think that this is really talking about materialism, but I'll take it a step further. What this is really dealing with, watch this, is the idol, and this is one you don't see, it is the idol of self-gratification. Oh God, the idol of self-gratification It is the idol of satisfying myself. I live to satisfy me. Me, me, and it's all about me. And can can I just submit to you that that spirit has crept into the church? I said it has crept into the church. You're not careful. You don't even hear anybody preaching on sacrifice. Nobody's talking back to me. You don't. You go to the, you go to the Christian bookstore, and on the bestsellers list, on the top shelves, you ain't gonna have no books on sacrifice. They're gonna be they're gonna be five steps to a better you. Becoming a better you, developing a better you. And while listen, I'm not mad at you trying to better yourself, Hallelujah. As long as your motives are correct, Hallelujah. I'm a little concerned that we're not talking about sacrifice anymore. Are you hearing what? In other words, there was no time in their schedule to serve others. That is a problem. Amen, somebody? You might be in here and you're thinking, well, I don't have no idols. If you're not careful, you are your own idol. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can make yourself an idol. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. You guys still doing a right shout glory? glory. All right, because I'm about to lose all my am- my amens right now. <laughs> the, the, the next thing that he talked about, and notice, I'm coming right out of the text. Uh, because, listen, as, as a pastor, I, I thought about Moses when I was reading this text. And I said, my God, how does Moses feel if he's called to deliver 2 million people? Listen to what I'm saying. 2 million people. you got to be some kind of leader to lead 2 million people. He's called to lead 2 million people out of Egypt through a wilderness and to a promised land. Amen. And at the end of the day, out of 2 million people, you know how many made it in from the original group? Two. And Moses was not one of them. I'll talk about that in a minute. The third thing, hallelujah, is, and the text mentioned it, sexual immorality. Fornication. This is where it gets real quiet. Hallelujah. Can I submit to you that we live in a culture that has become numb to sexual immorality. I said has become numb to sexual immorality. Amen. But I have a responsibility as a pastor to tell you, watch this, that shacking is wrong. Cohabitation is is wrong premarital sex sex outside of marriage is wrong sex before marriage is wrong sex after marriage is wrong if you're having it with the person you're not married to I messed y'all up right there right The Bible calls it adultery. It's wrong. We we become numb to it, even in the church. As though we serve a contemporary God now that's not the same as the ancient of days. My Bible says that he is the Lord God that changeth not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. More, Are you hearing what I'm saying? He challenges us for a reason. I, and I really don't got time to get into all of it today, hallelujah. But I want to submit to you that this is a serious thing. The reason is so serious because when I read this text this time, I felt compelled to the Lord to have to talk about it because he said, watch this, notice what the text says. 23,000 people died in one day because of that one thing. 23,000 in one day. You know, oftentimes when we talk about that three little word sin, we often say sin is sin. But let me submit to you that there are areas in the Bible where it talks about different kinds of sins. I know we like to say that sin is sin, and, and in essence, you're, you're not incorrect when you say sin is sin. But the Bible talks about sin is against the body and how they are different than other sins. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. And so watch this. The reason I'm talking about this today is because... Listen, if the apostle Paul thought it was important enough to tell a church that he recently started that these were the five things that didn't allow the people in the wilderness to make it to their destiny, then I felt compelled to the Lord to tell the church today that these same five things will keep you from becoming everything that God has for you. Now, if you're not interested in becoming everything that God has for you, that's one thing. But if you're in this place and you believe God for great things, you're not entering into those things until you overcome these things right here. He's admonishing them because he wants them to overcome. And you have to understand as your pastor and your leader, hallelujah, I I'm, I'm want you to get there. I, I don't want to get there, turn around, hallelujah, and just find Caleb. You understand, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that made it to the promised land from the original group. And he took, watch this, a a young generation that was 20 years and younger. Nobody from the original group made it except for two men. Because of these five things. And so you can shout praise until you turn purple. Test day is coming. And I I am at a place in my life, hallelujah, where I'm just not going to praise. I'm going to possess. As a matter of fact, I'm praising to possess. Because you could be singing about something you'll never walk in. Are you blessed in here? Ooh. Some people are like, you know, pastor, you don't understand the pressure. If I don't give it to him, he's going to get it from somewhere else. Bye. 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 Bye, bye. I mean, by Jesus, have mercy in here. If he ain't practicing self-control now, he ain't going to practice self-control later, hallelujah, when he's tempted. you know. If you don't overcome, you don't come over. That's the reality. If you don't overcome, you don't come over to the promised land. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I need at least two people to shout back at me and say something. I'm going to preach it. It may not even seem apparent to you right now why you're going through what you're going through. Hallelujah. But you have to learn how to trust the Lord. I said you have to learn how to trust the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Are you hearing this, Preacher? If you don't overcome, you don't come over. The fourth thing the text mentioned, hallelujah, is tempting Christ. The Bible says... They tempted Christ. Now, remember, that it's an Old Testament story, but the text says that Christ was that rock that followed them in the wilderness. And the text says that they tempted Christ. Now, in context, what that meant was, watch this, that they were questioning God's direction for their lives. You know, that's funny. I ain't getting no amens today, but I'm getting a bunch of, mm, mm. You know, and we can sit here and, and, and act like we never made that mistake, hallelujah. But I wonder if I got some real people in here who have it. Maybe you never told them, but you entertained the thought of wondering, hallelujah, why am I going through this? Are you hearing what I'm saying? They questioned, watch this, they questioned their leader. Oh, boy. They questioned their leader, and their leader, watch this, because if you know the story like I do, it wasn't just Moses that they were following. They were following Moses, and Moses was following a cloud. There was a cloud that was leading them. Moses was just saying, okay, the cloud's moving, guys. (laughs) Let's go. And during the day, it was a cloud, and at night, it was a pillar of fire. And so God was doing the leading. But when they wanted to complain since they really couldn't see God, they pointed at what they couldn't see, which was the leader. And they would complain about the leader. Now, mind you, there are some leaders that are not doing a very good job leading. But a good way for you to, to, to be able to tell if you're up under good leadership is if you can sense the cloud nearby. See, I know I'm under good leadership when I see the cloud. When I see that the leader is close to the cloud, I know I'm under good leadership. You don't hear what I'm saying, hallelujah. When I can sense the presence of God, when I can sense the Shekinah of God, when the leader preaches, when the leader speaks, if lives are being impacted, if lives are being changed, if lives are being transformed, if people are getting healed, if people are getting touched by the Spirit of God, hallelujah, it lets me know that the presence of God is there. And that matters. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And so watch this. Even though you don't know why, you find yourself in a dry place. Again, trust the Lord. Do like Job. I Let me tell you something. Job is one of my heroes in the Bible. Because I don't know anybody that could go through that. And immediately following, just go to the house of the Lord and worship. But if you know his story like I do, I don't know anybody. Listen, the man loses all his kids. You know the story. Loses all his kids in one day. Ten kids. Loses ten kids in one day. Loses all his money, all his cattle, all his livestock. Uh, His wife goes berserk. Uh, She backslides. Then he gets sick in his body. He's dying. And this is what he says. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh, my God. You know what he's saying? I don't know why I lost all my kids in one day. I don't know why my wife's acting crazy and telling me to curse God. I don't know why I lost all my money. I don't know why I'm sick in my body and I'm dying. But as I go down, I'm going to go down giving God a praise. And he trusted God when he couldn't trace God and God delivered him. And ultimately blessed him with double for his trouble. Amen, somebody. So watch this. Don't tempt Christ that way. Amen. When you find yourself in trouble, trust. And the last one of these was complain, oh boy. Do not murmur. Could you murmuring kept them wondering? Something that was only supposed to take about a week took 40 years because they continually murmured, continually complained. Can I just help you? I don't want to talk a lot about this because I know you know this. Watch this. But let me just say this to you. Flee from people who find fault with everything. Listen to what I'm telling you. That's wisdom. Flee from people who find fault with everything. Complain about everything can I submit to you those people ain't going nowhere and if you make those people your running partners you are going nowhere with them are you in this place hallelujah can I can I just submit to you that complaining is not a spiritual gift some people think they have the gift of complaining that is not a spiritual gift That'll keep you wandering. (laughs) Are you blessed in here, church? They didn't make it out of the wilderness because of those five things right there. And because of those five things, they died in the wilderness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I refuse to get on this side of glory and be dry until I die. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want all that God has for me. And so with the strength of God, I plan on overcoming. And I invite you to do the same. Amen. If you don't overcome the wilderness, hallelujah, you are not going to get a platform. I'm just going to say it straight up. Amen. For those of you who desire for God to put you on a platform and use you in a mighty way, you don't get a platform, hallelujah, without passing tests. That's just the reality. The Bible says about Jesus, you know, Jesus got tempted. Where did he get tempted? In the wilderness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the wilderness. And when you read that story, here's how the story begins. You read it in Matthew chapter 4 when you have time. Matthew chapter 4, you read this story. The Bible says, and Jesus, watch this, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Not by the devil, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tested. And he was tested. Amen? And let me give you the test real quickly so we can go home. Watch this. The first test that you're going to have to pass, if you're ever going to see God put you on any kind of platform so that you can be used in a mighty way, watch this, is the test of provision. And we talked about it a little bit. You know what? Satan came to Jesus and he told him, watch this, if you be the son of God, look how he deals with his identity right away. If you be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Turn these stones to bread. In other words, show me your stuff. He's trying to get them to fall into pride. Show me your power. It is the test of provision. Watch this. It's asking the question, to whom will you look for for your provision? And even lust that we talked about a little while ago falls under this because provision is talking about needs being met. We're not just talking about food. Provision is deeper than that. Amen, somebody. Look what Satan is tempting Jesus to do. He's tempting him. Watch this use what God gave you for you. That's the temptation. Use what God gave you for you. Oh, God, have mercy in here. In other words, Satan is coming to convince you to meet your own need in an improper way. And you need to be able to say, it is written. Oh, God. I said, you need to be able to say it is written, but you cannot say it is written if you have not kept the word. I said, you cannot say it is written if you have not kept the word. This is why you often hear me say it's not just enough to read the word and it's not enough just to hear the word. You have to meditate on the word because it's only when you meditate on the word that you're able to keep the word. And when Satan comes to tempt you in a particular area, that's not the time to look for a word. That's the time to have one kept. Because when Satan, when Satan comes to tempt me, I ain't got time to go on my Bible and say, now where was that word that Pastor Edgar talked about three weeks ago? What scripture was that? that he, you in trouble. You need to have a word for that specific area of temptation you're experiencing at that moment. Jesus is not looking for the word. He is the word. He says, it is written. Man, shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen, somebody? Ooh, the test of provision. Who are you trusting to take care of you? The second one is the test of protection. You know, Satan is so cunning. Satan knows the word too. I said Satan knows the word. If, If you understand this story, Satan quotes what I call the protection scripture of all the Bible, which is Psalm 91. Satan quotes it to Jesus and says, why not you jump off this cliff? Does not the Bible say that before your feet can dash upon the rocks, that your angels will take charge of you and catch you before you hit the ground? How many of you know that story? Hallelujah. Mm. Satan told Jesus, watch this, it is written. You read that text carefully. He told Jesus, it is written. God help me in here. Hallelujah. There are a lot of people that are walking in deception and have scripture to back it up. I said, there are a lot of people walking in deception and they have scripture to back it up. Because, watch this, if I can take scripture out of context, I can prove anything. I can make it say what I want it to say by taking it out of context. That's why context is so important when studying the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? I'm almost there, saints. Are you blessed in here? He said, Get up here and see this. Sometimes it's not even what you see, it's how you see it. God help me in here. I said, It's how you see it. So the question becomes could you be looking at it wrong? Could you be looking at it wrong? And can I just submit to you, never make decisions when your emotions are very high. Because you don't make good decisions when you're blind. <laughs> never make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Never make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Because you'll get over it in no time, but you can't retract those words. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Mm. Be careful that you have a clear head when you make decisions. Amen. If your perception is off, you're going to make bad decisions every time. And some of you can testify in this place. Hallelujah. Because the enemy has tempted you with people who later on you looked and you were disgusted with. Oh, yeah tempted you with people hallelujah that later on when you look back you were disgusted with and that's a sign that he caught you when your perception was off are you hearing what I'm saying oh God have mercy but God is our protector amen hallelujah I don't have to show you anything devil I know who God is And I know who I am. When you're really spiritual, you ain't got to tell nobody. That's why I'm never impressed with people who come up to me to give me their spiritual resume. I'll just wait for trouble. Trouble will tell me where you're at. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Hallelujah. You're that old saying that says, talk is cheap. Show me by how you endure. Amen. And finally, power. The test of power. The test of power. Can God trust you with power? Can God give you a platform right now to represent Him? Satan told Jesus, Watch this now. If you bow down to me, I'll give you all this. What is He saying? I'll give you power. Now, in order to give power, you have to have power. Notice that Jesus never tells Satan, You don't have power. <laughs> he just says, It is written. Because Satan took Adam's power. And so he has power to give. Jesus just understands that he has more power. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Oh, God, have mercy in here. There was a man in the Bible, his name was Pilate, who told Jesus, do you not know that I have the power to crucify you or to let you live? And Jesus looks at him and said, come on, man. You listen, you don't have no power unless it has been given to you by my father. The only power you have is power that has been given unto you. You don't have no power over me. Are you blessed in here, church? Woo, God, you know, you 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 can't just come in here on Sunday talking about power. Because it's hard to fight an enemy you just finished sleeping with. If you're going out with him all week, you can't rebuke him on Sunday. (laughs) And Satan is not offering you things you don't like. Can I just tell you that about the enemy? He don't waste admonition. He's not offering you stuff you don't like. If alcohol is not your struggle, he's not trying to get you to drink. He's coming at you with what he knows you like. Sit there and act cute. I'm coming right there where you are. He's coming. He knows. He's been watching you a long time. Knows your specific weakness. And he's coming at you, hallelujah, with a specific temptation that he believes is going to take you out. But God is faithful. That along with the temptation, he makes a way Of escape, hallelujah. And so, what you got to understand is that it does not matter what situation you find yourself, if you, if drugs is your issue, and you find yourself in a room full of a table full of drugs, hallelujah, you got to understand that at some, in some place in that room, there's a door. I said, some place in the room, there's a door, hallelujah. Stop looking at the drugs and look for. Problem with us is when we're so focused on the issue, we can never see the door. Because we focus on the problem. Are you hearing me? But God said, there is a door. In other words, you can overcome it. And if you fell into it, you wanted to. I got two minutes. Let me land this plane. Listen. Five things that kept them from entering. Jesus comes and teaches us about three tests that you have to pass if you're going to walk on a platform. The Bible says, watch this. The story starts by him being led by the spirit into the wilderness. But then when he's finished, the Bible says, and Jesus came out. Watch this. In the power of the spirit and the fame of him. The fame of him went abroad. In other words, now that you passed, you went in led by the spirit, you passed, came out with power, and now there's a platform. Are you in this place, church? Anybody in here believe in God for greatness? Now, I want to end with this right here real quick because this has been proven in my own life, hallelujah, and I believe I can preach on this Every time, we know that God's a way maker, right? He'll open up the Red Sea. He'll make Jericho walls fall. Hallelujah. He's a way maker. That's part of his nature. That's who he is. But when you read these stories in the Bible about how God makes a way, notice that he keeps using somebody to do it. He'll use a Moses, right, to open up the Red Sea. He'll use a Joshua to make the Jericho walls come down. And so I remember reading when I was studying for this and I said, God. Could you use me to be a way maker? Or can you make a way through me for others? And God said, yes. Number one, overcome. Overcome. Number two, you ready? Serve. Serve. If David were here, and I'll close on this note. If David were here, you know David, right? The guy who took down the giant. If David were here, he would tell you, that morning that I went out, I didn't go out to fight. I went out to serve. Anybody know this story? His father told him, take food to your brothers who are already on the battlefield. Watch this, watch this. And so while he was serving other people, he discovers himself. He begins to learn who he is by helping others be who they are. Are you in this place, church? And he was on his way But he wasn't on his way to fight. He was on his way to serve. You see, today, we don't want to serve, but we still want to be seen. And you won't be seen until you serve. Are you in this place, church? Jesus comes, how does he come? Lowly and meek, humble. The Bible says he humbled himself even unto death. The Bible says that he became the servant of all. He served so amazingly that he cannot be forgotten. They have been trying to get rid of that name. <laughs> Forever, and they still can't do it. And they won't be able to do it. Remember the woman with the alabaster box? She served him that day. What did he say about her? As long as the gospel is preached, she will be remembered. Because of her. Because of her service. If you want to be great in the kingdom, he said, you have to become the servant of all. David... Served his brothers that day. And his service became the key that opened the door to become a way maker for his people. See, you look at David and you think that the power was in his sling. The power was in his serving. If he don't go there to serve, he don't fight. Serving created the opportunity for promotion. Are you in this place, church? It was a spirit of servitude. Amen. The problem with today is that we become groomed to be important. worst thing you could do in the presence of greatness is act important. Mentors are not impressed. It's the worst thing you could do. Whenever God gives me an opportunity to get in the presence of greatness, I don't say nothing. Because if I only have an hour with you, why do I want to spend that hour talking about stuff I already know? trying to impress you. Just speak. For the next hour, I'm just going to listen so that you can help me change my life and take it to another place. Amen, somebody? The bridge between where you are and where you are going is not your sling. It is your service. In other words, greatness is not determined by how high you go. It's determined by how low you go. I said greatness is not determined by how high you go. It is determined by how low you go. David serves. He's bringing, che- you know the story, 10 pieces of cheese to his brothers. But he serves. And he takes a giant's head off. Jesus serves, watch this, to the going down of the grave. And the Bible says he crushed Satan's head as a result of it. Amen, church. He went down first and then he came up. That's how you do it in the kingdom. I said, that's how you do it. In the kingdom. Until you can humble yourself, you will not kill your giant. Until you can humble yourself, you will not kill your giant. You have to be willing to be looked down upon first. Did you hear what I just said? You have to be willing to be looked down upon first. David comes to Goliath, and Goliath says, Remember, this guy's like nine feet tall. He says, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And he's looking down at the boy. But you have to be willing to be looked down upon. Jesus let everybody look down for three days. For three days, he let them look down upon him. But early Sunday morning, God, if you serve, you will be a leader. But if you insist on leading, you will always be a slave. If you serve, you will be a leader. But if you insist on leading, you will remain a slave. Are you blessed in the house today? Give the Lord a hand clap in here.